India, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Well, Jono, before we get into some of our biggest sporting uh, moments over the weekend, uh, what were some of your headlines uh, to come from the last week in sport? As you said, some jam-packed World Cup action around the world. Huge. But... Uh, besides that, kind of my top three moments of this last week, sticking on with the World Cup theme, yep. I guess would be the announcement of the 2030 World Cup for the FIFA Men's World Cup. And I'm Cup. sure we will discuss this in uh, later programs, yeah, but it's uh, just caused some controversy. Kind of a bit crazy. Yeah. Um, yep. There's going to be essentially all, pretty much six countries hosting. Yep. You have three countries who'll do the opening matches. Yep. So that's Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay. And then you have the rest of the tournament will be split between Spain, Portugal, and Morocco. Yeah, bit strange. Like I yep. said, like you said, we will we cover certainly it a will bit cover more. this. Yeah, um, but clearly something that real big that came out of this week. Yep. Um, then the next two are sticking with basketball. So in the NBA, mm-hmm. you had the likes of Joel Joel Embiid officially committing to play for Team USA if he gets selected. So he'll be joining the likes of star players like LeBron, Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, who have all spoken up and said that they would be willing to play. And this is for next year's Olympics. This is for next year's Olympic. Yep. It is really interesting, though, because today uh, one of the biggest kind of uh, um, journalists and, and the guy who breaks all the news and uh, Wojnowski out mm-hmm. there has kind of said that not all of them are actually going to get selected Huge. from all those people who have put their hand up so far. So it might not be those five that I yep. just named. It could be a Jason Tatum. It could be other players yep. like that. Yep. We did indicate that not everyone's going to get selected. So it could be huge. Um, but I think it's just going to be people are going to be scared of this team USA. Absolutely. And then, like I said, sticking with basketball, but switching over to the WNBA, I think it's been pretty good news um, that the Golden State Warriors will be have been awarded a... Uh, expansion team for yep. the WNBA. So in 2025, they'll be Great bringing a w- WNBA team there to the Bay Area, which I think is really good too Absolutely. because I think that area has really embraced basketball. I think as well, the likes of someone like Steph Curry has really embraced the WNBA as yep. well and everything. He's been a huge advocate for it. He shows up to games, things like that. So I think this is really good to get something in his place where he can, where he plays as well. Um, and I think the Golden State organization will be great for the WNBA. And if it's run anything like their men's organization in the NBA. I'm sure they're going to have some success as well. For me, John, I'm going to stick to a local theme for my some of my sporting highlights. Uh, Firstly, uh, I was out there on Saturday night to watch the Australia Cup final between Sydney FC and Brisbane Raw. I guess Australia's version of the FA Cup final. Uh, And Sydney won their second Australia Cup with a 3-1 win. Quite an entertaining game. Brisbane Raw actually played really well in the first half and took a deserved lead. But Sydney FC uh, came over a little bit stronger in that second half and new Brazilian striker Fabio, who mm. could potentially be a real hit this year, uh, scored twice off yep. the bench. So congratulations yep. to Sydney FC and Steve Coca, who's now uh, won all you can in Australia in terms of domestic uh, trophies. Uh, Bathurst 1000, one of the, I guess, yeah. biggest moto sport uh, days uh, on the calendar in Australia. And Shane Van Gisburn, won the Bathurst 1000 for the third time and became the first driver to win back-to-back races at Mount Panorama in 15 years. So congratulations Big to one. Shane Van Gisburn. Gisbergen. And also, South Australian batter Jake Fraser-McGurk hit the fastest ever one-day century off 29 balls yeah, against huge. Tasmania in their Marsh Cup game. Um, quite an extraordinary innings. So that is the fastest century in any uh, one-day international, obviously local um, or international. So congratulations yeah. to Jake Fraser-McGurk, and maybe we're hearing his name a little bit more often this year. 
Well, Jono, as you said, plenty of World Cup action. The Rugby World Cup continuing, as well as the Cricket World Cup uh, kicking off. We'll start in the Rugby World Cup in France, and our quarterfinals have been finalised. Ireland will take on New Zealand. France will take on South Africa. Wales will take on Argentina. And England will take on Fiji. Before we look at the quarterfinals, Jono, some... Um, some quite dramatic uh, scenes in the last round of the pool matches. We saw Portugal win their first yeah. ever Rugby World Cup match with a 24-23 win over Fiji. It wasn't quite enough to allow Australia to qualify, though. Fiji still going through um, in second place in, in their pool. Uh, but, Jono, great scenes to see Portugal, and you saw the emotion of the players and the fans to get their first ever Rugby World Cup win. And I guess great for the nation and great for the development of rugby uh, in Portugal. 100%. Um, hats off to Portugal for being able to pull that off. I mean, as we pointed out, it's a good Fiji side, right? They had Absolutely. a really good first game. They had a great game as well against Australia, mm-hmm. clearly. That was really the icing on the cake yep. for kind of, you know, uh, Australia's bout out. But... Um, Great to see Portugal kind of take this win. I think it is a little bit of a of a knock though for Fiji, um, because you're playing some really really good yeah. rugby and now going into the next round thinking about that that you can have that little bit of haunting over you that you shouldn't be losing to that team right. You really shouldn't when you kind of get ahead in a World Cup. You need to keep that form going. It's a short period. You got to keep that form the whole time. So. It could come back to bite them in terms of their their the way that they played in that game. Yeah, Fiji, the first time in 16 years that they've been able to qualify for the quarterfinals. And they'll take on England, Jono. As you said, obviously not great to go in with a loss against Portugal, but they did beat the English in a warm-up in the lead-up to the World Cup at Twickenham. So potentially, Jono, taking some confidence into that game. And, and this English team has been getting better uh, yeah. throughout this World Cup. We know the pressure they came in to the tournament with, but... Uh, Fiji will fancy their chances, and they'll be going in as underdogs. So yeah. maybe that'll suit them better rather than going in as a favourites as they did against Portugal. Hundred percent, and I think that is it is that kind of thing for this English side, right? You think about it as they're not looking good coming into this tournament, right? I mean, that was pretty evident there. They were in some really bad form, but as you point out, the best thing that they've been able to do is find that form in this tournament. And as we say with regular seasons, with any sort of tournament, this that. It's not how you come into it. It's not how you start it. It's how you finish it, right? And now we're getting into this knockout stage. Maybe they found enough form to keep going ahead. But yeah, you're right. You're pointing out with Fiji. You come in as a little bit of an underdog. You don't have as much pressure on you as well. Now I think people might be even writing them off a little bit more as well after that Absolutely. loss too. So it gives it gives that alleviation of pressure. It's not expected to necessarily win. Um but that gives you that upper edge as well in terms of playing for something. But yeah. I do think there's enough quality, though, there from England. Yeah, it should be an intriguing game. Also, Jono, a former Australian coach and Wallabies coach, Michael Checker, guiding his Argentina team uh, through to the quarterfinals, obviously defeating Japan in their final group game to uh, confirm their passage through. They'll take on Wales, who topped Australia's group. Potentially a game that could go either way here. Jono, Wales, again, a team came into the tournament a little bit under pressure in regards to some of their form coming into the tournament. They seem to have grown throughout the tournament. A big win over Australia was probably their outstanding performance. Um, But Argentina, we know they're a tough rugby team, and Michael Checker will have them up for this game. Yeah, 100%. I think that this game, unfortunately, potentially can come down to uh, the players that are missing, right? Because both teams have a couple injury concerns, and that could be that little slight difference because I don't think that this Argentina side is anything to be written off by. Um, I think, of course, we all know the the power of of this Wales side. But realistically, when you have some key positions that are injured, that could be the difference. Both 
like I said, have had their injury concerns, but it might be that little bit of a difference as who can kind of have that depth of squad to get that next person to slide in. That's where I would slightly give Wales that upper edge in in terms of the total depth of squad in comparison to Argentina. So it, it, it's going to be a tight one regardless, but yep. there's I think there's that slight edge there for, for the Wales side. And then, John, we've got two blockbuster quarterfinals. We'll yeah. look at Ireland versus New Zealand first. The number one team in the world, Ireland, who have uh, shown how good they have been all through the year, they defeated Scotland in their last pool game to knock the Scottish hopes of, of making the quarterfinals out. While New Zealand, Jono, opened with a, a defeat against France, hosts France in that opening game, but have recovered since. Uh, obviously, that outstanding win over Italy, 96-17, to which I don't think anyone saw that sort of scoreline against a, a team of Italians that had been very competitive. Yeah. But, Jono, this game is just really could go either way and could be a, potentially one of the games of the tournament. 100%. I mean, look, this Ireland side, though, is playing fantastic. Unbelievable. Deservingly so. And they've done it over the last couple of years. This hasn't just been a recent, they've been a dominant form uh, over the last, you know, season, season and a half. Yeah. Well, they're on their 17th straight victory. Yep. Couldn't be the 18th, potentially, too. Nonetheless, I know that this New Zealand side lost their first game, but you can never count oh, them out. The All Blacks. It's, it's a mentality thing yep. with this country, right? It's, it's It goes through the whole country as well, right? This is not just a team. Yep. This is a country that's yep. there, right? Yep. And that's the difference is the rich history of what they have. You can never count them out. No. So however well this Irish team might be, you're coming up against a, a mighty, mighty yep. force, right? Yep. Um, but this is like the dream matchup that everyone could have thought of this early on as well, right? Because this could have been quite easily a final, a final right? Yep. So this is just probably, I mean, hands down the most intriguing matchup of all these. Um, can 100% go either way, and there is not going to be much in this. I expect this to be such a tight tussle, and it is not going to be any bit of wiggle room. It's going to come down to the finest, finest of margins, but it just makes for one of the best games of the tournament, most likely. Yeah, it should be a cracking game. And the other one, Jono, hosts France, take on the defending champions, South Africa. Again, the French have been super impressive in their pool games. South Africa, obviously that one slip up against Ireland, but it was a great game against the Irish. Obviously not much between those teams. Again, could potentially be, again, one of the big games of the tournament and could go down to the wire in regards to... I don't think there's too much between these two teams. Yeah, no, I think I think that for me, I think both these teams have been able to prove themselves. As you said, um, both having really good games against strong opponents, so either the All Blacks or the Irish. Um, but I think it's just going to come down to, for me, I want to see France move yep. on. I yep. want to see... Like, well, like I said, I, yeah, I, I, I want to see them do well in a home World Cup. I, I now am 100% on board of whatever World Cup it is in any sport. I want the host nation to do well. And so I think that they have enough quality to do well. It's just they need to actually perform. But they will, of course, have at least the crowd backing them, which can give them that slight edge. And they've never won a World Cup. So imagine to do it on home soil would be oh, massive for them. The other World Cup, Jono, that's kicked off. On the other side of the world in India is the Cricket World Cup. Uh, the format this year, 10 teams. Everyone plays each other once. Top four go through to the semifinals and then obviously through to the final. We'll start with the big match so far of, of the rounds. I know India playing Australia and wasn't this impressive by the host. India defeating Australia by six wickets. Australia all out for 199. Steve Smith top score with 46, yeah. but they had a... Again, a middle order collapse there. And then India, they were in a bit of early trouble. Three for two. Their first three of their top four batsmen all out for a duck. But then Virat Kohli and KL (laughs) Rahul guided India to a victory. Of course. Um, 
Mitch Marsh dropped Virat Kohli early on, which proved costly. Uh, but Jono, India, they've got an impressive side on paper. Obviously, a lot of pressure going into this World Cup. They are expected to win. Um, but a great start against another fancy team in Australia. Yeah. Um, look, I think Australia as well can be potentially one of those front runners Absolutely. In, the, in the whole thing. Um, but very impressed by India because the amount of pressure that is on them, mm. right? I mean, this is a cricket And more nation. than a billion people apparently yeah. watched that game this, last, yesterday. This is equivalent in terms of other sports of, you know, Argentina hosting oh, a Men's World Cup when Messi's at his heyday yep. or... Yep. You know, things like that, these these countries that have it's immense that have not only a great team, a great chance, but also these star players. Yeah. They just love cricket. The pressure that is on this team. So to the see them to the get off to such a yeah. good start, I think is fantastic. Hopefully it alleviates a little bit yep. in terms of this kind of um group stage that they're in right now, kind of moving looking ahead to the semifinals. Yeah. But Man, they've done well. They've been just a force to be reckoned with um, and off to a fantastic start. And look, for Australia, you you got to just bounce back from this, yep, right? Yep. I mean, I think that's going to be the key here. You're, you're in the top echelon in this whole group, yep. um, but it's just about how you bounce back from this. I think going into this game... You you would you you're coming in as underdogs anyway, you know. So just take it as is. First game jitters, and let's move on from there. I guess the good thing about this format too, John, it gives you time to recover. You obviously don't want to lose those first couple of games, but you do have nine games in total, yeah. uh, where you can afford to maybe drop a couple of games and still get through to the semi final. So Australia, as you said, John, I just need to bounce back in game two. Some of the other outstanding games that have happened so far in the World Cup, South Africa, yeah, going. 428 against Sri Lanka. Obviously winning that game as well. Three century makers, Quinton de Kock, Ressi van Dusen, and Aidan Markram. Markram's 100 was the fastest in World Cup history of just 49 balls. And Jono, we saw in the lead-up tournament against Australia in South Africa, mm. the power hitting of the yeah. South African team. They are going to be a dangerous team at this World Cup. Yeah, I don't think that you can quite call them almost like a dark horse. I think it's almost that they're just one of those teams that are in the that power upper through that middle order. Yeah. They they need to be considered a force to be reckoned with. Um, look, I think you, th- you you know you go back a couple of years, this that you'd call them a dark horse, but now they've kind of just been able to establish themselves yep. a little bit, and they showed exactly what they can produce. Um, huge huge kind of start for them, but yeah, they are they're not going to be an easy no. team, and I think any team that's playing against against them can be like they they'd be feared. They definitely will be feared this whole tournament. Absolutely. Probably the the standout performance, though, for me, Jono, so far, was New Zealand's opening game victory over defending champions England. England um, getting 283, a decent score. And New Zealand recorded a nine-wicket victory. Devin Conway and this young superstar that's sort of come onto our radar now, Ratchin Ravindra, combined for an unbeaten 273-run partnership. They got there easily in the end. Johnny, this New Zealand team, they made the last final. They were always knocking on the door in regards to um, being at the top echelon of these teams. And Johnny, they've, as we said with the power hitting with South Africa, it looks like New Zealand have also mm. been able to put that into their game and they're going to be a dangerous yeah. proposition at this World Cup. Look, I think them and even like Pakistan are probably going to be yeah. the surprise packages that could potentially do something. I still think maybe a little bit on that outer edge of everything, but yeah. still can do can do damn. I mean, look, look, case in point against an English side that is potentially going to be one of those teams up there with India that's respected as one of the better teams in this competition. So good on them. I think that this New Zealand team is, is shown that they they can kind of make some damage yeah. and everything. Um, I look, I, I see them also having a couple of losses in them as well, of course. Definitely. Um, but 
you never know. I mean, as you said, with this type of format, you really don't know that, you know, something can happen. A couple good key wins. They already got one against a very hard English side. Yeah. You take that, maybe you drop one or two next, but you get you keep on trucking and you potentially can sneak in there in that in that last spot. The other aspect I think being played in the subcontinent is going to be the pitches. I think having a good spin attack hmm. is really going to help in these conditions. So as you said, I think I think teams like Pakistan, yeah, I think even teams yeah. like Bangladesh who got off to a yeah, winning start yeah. as well. They've got some quality spinners in their team, and I think that is going to count, especially as this tournament goes later into yeah. the um, into the group stage. Um, I think we're going to see some amazing performances. Pakistan and Bangladesh, as I said, also started their World Cup uh, with campaigns with wins. Yeah. So um, a long way to go in the World Cup, Very long. <laughs> in the Cricket World Cup, but good to see it kicking off, and I'm sure there's going to be some amazing battles uh, between some of these big nations. Well, Jono, outside of what's happened on the field, a particularly big documentary has hit our screens on Netflix. David Beckham, uh, I guess one of the most well-known, not only football players, but just personalities uh, in society. Still now, even obviously, uh, I guess 10 years almost since he's retired. Yeah. I know you haven't had a chance to, to watch the doco yet. No, I've yet. consumed it already, and I think it is, uh, it's an amazing doco, and I think it's... Uh, in terms of the truth, in terms of some of the circumstances that we know surrounded Beckham, he, he's, he seems to be quite honest and, and open in terms of how uh, some of the stuff that affected him as not only a footballer, but obviously his family as yeah. well. We obviously know married to Victoria Beckham, posh spice. <laughs> but John, in terms of David Beckham, um, for you growing up, what sort of impact did you, did he have maybe on your football career? Did you sort of look up to David Beckham in terms of, um, I guess, one of those players that was... Uh, maybe not an idol, uh, but a player that, that you sort of looked at and respected in terms of not only obviously what he did on the field, but obviously the way he was uh, not even made more than just a footballer off the field. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, look, I wasn't necessarily following him with the hairstyles and this and that. Yeah, I know yeah. a lot of people were, but for me, it was definitely his just trademarks, right? It was the ability to cross the ball. It was yeah. set pieces. I used to go down to pitches for hours on yep. the weekends or after school or whatever and just try and curve that ball and bend it like Beckham was a real thing. It was such thing. a style. It was just, Beckham. yeah, it was just such a thing. I think when you look back at his career, right, he's he's never probably going to be down when you talk about the the greatest of all times in that top no, five, top ten sort of conversation. Player. Very different. Yep. But what he did do is he specialized in yep. some real key yep. areas yep. Yep. and just changed the game for that matter, Absolutely. right? He made it to this day still. There's not someone who can curve a ball the way that he did. There's not someone that you can pick up a ball on the side of the pitch and he's able to pinpoint across to you. It's not, no one's near that. Yeah. I think the closest we got in terms of trademarking a free kick was if Ronaldo would have been more consistent with his knuckleball. That would have been something as well. Or maybe well. like Brazilian Janinho for yeah, Leon yeah, yeah. maybe was, was in around that. But you're right. They're right. They were different techniques as well. It was just well. something that changed the yep. game a little yep. bit, right? And so, yeah, I think everybody. Everybody, regardless of your United fan, Madrid fan, PSG, Galaxy, wherever he played in his career, you were a fan of him for the most part, right? And yes, I know there was the whole controversy with England, and it, well, I mean it's not really a controversy, but the hate that came against him, oh, especially after the ninety eight World Cup, yeah, which with, he covers extensively yeah. in, in this documentary. But like everyone, you still just you just loved him as a yep. player, like you really just did. And again, it was because you just respected the fact that he did something in particular, so well, so well, that it just changed the game. And then yep. for me as well, 
I mean, he he was the first to really change the MLS as well. So I was going to ask you he, on that. What sort of impact? You would have been in America yeah, at yeah, that time, definitely. What sort of impact did you see oh, him have on the MLS? Huge hype. I mean, yeah. that was the thing. Is he helped? He helped bring up the MLS. He yeah. helped these young players as well, kind of just get seen, right? Yeah. And then now it's become. You know, whatever it is, the MLS, right? It's never going to be no. the top European league. But, but you know what? The He's strides is taken. 100%. You see some of the footage when Beckham first arrived. Yeah. I think even he was shocked by how unprofessional yeah. it was. And some of the players that were in that league, 100%. it's chalk and cheese now when you watch the MLS. Yeah, he's, he's the first person to make it yeah. that way. And it's been a long process. And now... It's almost like that full, full, full scope is which because now he's helping to now raise it again yep. in a different way, yep. right? Yep. And I know that was worked out in his contract, and that's why he did but it. But still, but still, he and he's able to attract yeah. a player like Lionel Messi, yeah. who yes, he's older, yeah. but he still has so much quality. And look at the crowds; he's yeah, it's just crazy attracting. to think that for a player, as I said, that technically speaking will never go down. And when you say the greatest of all time conversations, has had such an impact because of certain moments yep. so he really just capitalized on those moments and then just took it from there so yep. it's absolutely incredible i'm i'll look forward to watching it i've not gone to it as quick as you have but i will finish it soon well for me john i guess it was a certainly a sort of revisiting to my childhood because beckham certainly was was an idol for me growing up and, and i obviously being a manchester united fan yeah, yeah. loved david beckham growing up and he was one of the first players that um, you know, I was introduced to and, and I did copy some of those hairstyles and I did really like everything about Beckham was was I sort of loved it. And what I got out of the documentary was I think at the very heart of it, David, besides all the glam that sort of surrounds him and the Beckham brand, I think he actually is a really simple guy and I actually think he's a really shy guy when it comes mm. to, to talking in front of the media. I don't mm. think that comes naturally. Mm. But some of the things that did come out of it is David Beckham, regardless of everything that was happening outside of his life, he was one of the hardest workers yeah. you'll ever see. And any of his managers, for Alex Ferguson, the many managers here at Real Madrid, PSG, LA Galaxy, he was one of the hardest workers in the game. And he came back from adversity, 98 World Cup, yeah, when yeah. the whole of England Crazy. hated him. Some of Crazy. the stuff Crazy. that was happening and um, some of the threats to his family just were just yeah. crazy stuff. And he was um, somehow, and obviously having Sir Alex Ferguson, yeah. the Manchester United group around him helped him, but he was somehow able to block it out. And then that moment when he scored the free kick against Greece to qualify yeah. England for that World Cup in 2002 was almost full circle for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, and I think Beckham really, at the core of it, loved football. Yeah. Yes, obviously he became a global superstar outside of football as well, but I think the essence of it, he always said in the documentary that he loved football and... Um, and I still think he loves football. That's why 100%. he's involved with Inter Miami. And he I mean, wants to make Inter Miami great. It, it shows his passion yep. even as an owner, right? I yep. mean, he, yes, he's bringing in some big talent, this, that, but even before that the as passion, well, growing, exactly. trying to grow this Inter Miami team, knowing that the MLS expansion bid was coming up and everything like that. Like, he, he has a passion for it, clearly, even in an ownership opportunity. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think what this doco shows is some the vulnerabilities as well. It wasn't always easy for him, wasn't always easy for his family. Mm. So, Highly recommend, even if you're not a football fan uh, necessarily. I think it's also just a a great insight in, into one of the most famous names um, in pop culture as well. That's what he think he sort of crossed yeah, over that pop culture and and footballer. So um, yeah, one of the, I think a really insightful documentary. And um, as I said, I think 
Lots of people have been watching it, even if they're not Manchester United and football fans necessarily. Well, as always, John, I'll end with five quick questions. I've got you this week. Let's do it. Let's go, mate. All right. Big friendly happening this week, talking about football. Who will win? Australia playing England at Wembley Saturday morning. Uh, a massive friendly. Obviously, always that rival between Australia and England. Who's going to win? The Socceroos or the English? Yeah, sorry, mate. It's, it's going to be it's going to be England. Um, I think Harry Maguire is going to make an absolute mistake, and we're going to jump all over it. But it should be a cracking game yeah, at uh, might be at Wembley. Game. Hopefully, um, obviously international week this yeah. weekend. Number two, Jono, we did go through the semi-final lineup for the Rugby World Cup. Oh, the quarter-final lineup. So, who's going to make the Rugby World Cup semi-finals? We'll start with Ireland playing New Zealand. Who's getting through? I'm going to say. The big New Zealand is going to come back and do a bit of an Massive. upset. Massive. Um, look, it's gonna, it could go so tight, but I'm going to yeah. give the nod to the history of New Zealand. I'm going to go New Zealand with you as well, Jono. France versus South Africa, another one. Got to push the French. The French. I, I, you I, said need, you I need the, the French. French to go through. Wales, Argentina. I think that's the tightest one. Yep. Um, pretend, or outside, of course, New Zealand, Ireland. But I'm going to give Wales the edge, like I said, just because of a little bit of depth because they both have a little bit of inj- yep. injury concerns. Yep. So I give Wales the tight edge. And England versus Fiji. Look, I think it's that. that's a, that's a hard one because it very much depends on the type of form that Fiji come yep. into it. Yep. I'd love to see Fiji Wouldn't that be a through. great fairy tale? You know what? As much as I should be saying England right now, I'm an, I'll am I'll say Fiji. Going the fairy tale. Why not, right? Why not? No, that would be great for the tournament and for Fiji and rugby. Number three, John, a story also that uh, I guess has been occurring over the last couple of weeks. Megan Raponi retiring from football, obviously her last season within the NWSL. Hopefully she wants to end it with a title. How do you think she will be remembered? Yeah, look, um, I think it's... Um, I hope with the grace that she should be remembered yep. with, yep. right? Because I think that, unfortunately, a lot of the United States has politicized her in yeah, terms definitely. of... And made it We've where... the criticism that's Yeah, where it basically just becomes where if you support one side that you're completely against her, yep. you don't even know anything about her, yep. but you're just shouting absolute stuff just out your mouth, yep. just crap out of your mouth. So I hope for the sense of things we remember her for... The strides that she made off yep. the field, yep. the strides that she made on the field as well, the impact that she had on the game. She has to be one of those players that's remembered that she impacted the game both on and off the field. And she changed the game forever for women's sports in America and potentially the globe as well. And hopefully that impact hasn't stopped. Hopefully she'll be involved in football in, in another way once her playing career has finished. Johnny, talking about the Cricket World Cup, who do you think makes the top four? So the yeah. semifinals at the Cricket World Cup, no particular order. Okay. No particular order. It's going to have to be India, of course. India. Yep. Um, I also think that England still will clearly get through. I mean, like I said, they're, they're, they're probably second favorite, probably potentially yep. within, yep. within India. Got to tip my hat to Australia, of course. Australia to make it. And, and then that fourth team? There's that, a few teams yeah, that can make it. It's going to be tight. Like I said, you know... You, you got a couple in there. I think it would be between like a Pakistan, New Zealand, or South Africa. Yep. I might give the slight edge to South Africa just because currently they are, but wouldn't count out those other two yep. to sneak on in there. Well, with this format, yep. there's going to be some big nations and some quality cricketers that miss out, but it should be a cracker one there. And John, following on from his two goals again on the weekend, is Jude Bellingham the best football on the planet in current form? It's unbelievable what he's yep. doing. I mean, yeah. Right now, currently, technically speaking, I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to give him the nod. Yep. I don't think there's anyone else who's really no. performing at that level. 
And it's the fact is that he's shining on a team that does have a lot of quality. Especially in that midfield area. There's a lot, a lot of quality on that team. He's also scoring a lot of goals as well on a team that has players that can score too. Um, But yeah, just fantastic to see. I think when, when you have players move to these big clubs sometimes it can go so wrong and yeah. it looks Especially like it's going so right right now 20 years exactly old. the so. maturity which he's showing is yeah. is definitely beyond his years yeah i would love to see him just flourish here and just continue into the, one of the world's best also i think carlo ancelotti is the perfect yeah. manager for him yeah. he really is handling it which could see really what well. happens next year when ancelotti leaves absolutely absolutely well that brings to another episode of behind the lights with me seb and me Jonna. as always thank you for your support and good night